Now, I know we're getting started late this morning with the, the message time of the, of the service, so I'm going to uh, keep my, my message brief. I'm going to condense it, so uh, um, you're going to have to listen quickly because I want, I'm going to talk fast, and I feel sorry for our Spanish translation because uh, they're going to have a hard time keeping up. But uh, what, what we're going to do for the next two weeks, uh, starting today, I'm going to do a little mini-series. I'm going to start today and finish it next Sunday, and uh, it's called Reality Check. And we're gonna, you're going to see that theme uh, permeate through today and, and next Sunday. Uh, and basically what a reality check is, is it is a, an assessment of where you are and, and how you perceive a situation and, and, and whether or not that situation, the way you perceive it, is reality. Um, and, and I think it's good for all of us to have a reality check in our lives uh, frequently. It's good for all of us to take inventory of our lives, to see where we're at, to make sure that... Uh, that we are perceiving, the way we perceive things is reality. Because it's easy for us, especially if you've been saved for a long time, it's easy to, to kind of get on a track and, and it, it's good for us to make sure that track we're on, that we're staying on the right track. Amen? And uh, so I'm going to jump right in. Uh, this week we're going to talk about authenticity and next week I'm going to be talking about identity. So I hope you can come next week. I know it's a July 4th weekend, but if you're in town, please come. I believe you'll be blessed. I believe this is the message that the Lord has given me for us. But today I want to talk about authenticity. And to do that, um, I want to share a little story with you. This is, a, this is a baseball that I got at a Braves game about a month ago. Uh, Joy and I took the kids. We went to Atlanta for a few days to get away. And uh, we spent a day at Six Flags, which was, uh, you know, it's always interesting with three kids at Six Flags. But we had a good time. And, uh, but then the, the one day we went to a Braves game. And I was so excited. You know, I grew up a huge baseball fan. That was, that was my sport as a kid, and, and I love baseball. I'm, I'm more of a Cleveland Indians fan because that's where I'm from. But uh, I've grown to love the Braves, too, over the years. It, it figures, though, as soon as I grow to love them, they start to stink. But uh, nevertheless, um, I, I do care about the Braves, too, now. So I, I was excited to go. So, you know, I splurged and got some really good tickets. I uh, got good seats for the game. They were playing the Brewers. It was kind of a, it's kind of a who cares game, but it's still fun to go and, and be part of it. And uh, I was so excited because, you know, Noah, my son, he's a big Braves fan. He was, he's just, it was fun to watch him. You know, if you watch your kid enjoy something that you know they're enjoying it, it's just a blast to watch it. And, and I was concerned about my, my two daughters because I didn't know, eh, they're not really into baseball. I, I was hoping that they would enjoy it, you know. And turns out they were incredibly excited to be there. They were so excited. At one point, I snapped a picture of it and, uh, and they're going to put it up here on the screen. Yes, that is, that is my daughters. Uh, Mackenzie is braiding Taylor's hair. Uh, and, and don't be deceived. It looks like Taylor's actually watching the game. She's not. She has a tablet in front of her and she's drawing. So uh, if, if you're a dad with, with daughters that don't care about baseball, that, that may resonate with you. I'm not bitter. Uh, I did spend a, a lot of money there, but it's okay. Uh, we had a good time. And uh, that, that really has no relevance to the story. I just thought it'd be fun to share that part of it. Uh, but but what, to back to the story of the baseball, we, we got there pretty early because I wanted to let Noah, you know, sit out in the outfield bleachers with me for batting practice, you know, because he got a good chance of getting a home run ball, you know, because they hit a lot of home runs during batting practice. And we were at, we'd been out there for a while and nothing, nothing came our way. And uh, we were just hanging out and, and all of a sudden uh, somebody hit a pretty hard grounder into the outfield and uh, the Brewers were, were hitting and, and one of their pitchers that wasn't playing that day, Willie Peralta was out in the outfield and he was just flagging down balls and throwing them back in and, and he flagged down a grounder that came out close to the fence where we were. And, and so I saw him down there and I just yelled down to him. I said, hey, Willie, it's my son's birthday. And uh, Willie kind of grabs the ball, kind of looks back at me casually and tosses the ball up to me. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, it's everybody's birthday. <laughs> so I, I, I guess uh, he had a little bit of discernment because it wasn't really my son's birthday. Um, it, I wasn't lying because it really was that month. It was just a couple weeks prior. Uh, 
So uh, I, I told Joy I was going to tell the church that story. She said, you can't tell the church that you lied. But, uh, you know, the end justifies the means, right? Because I got this for Noah. Uh, I'm just borrowing it today. But uh, the, the beauty of the, the thing about this ball, you know, th th this ball is an authentic Major League Baseball. It was used in the, in the bigs, and, and I have proof. Or, well, I, I know it for a fact because I was there and saw it. And because of the fact that it was used in the majors gives it some value, right? This, this ball has a little more value than the ball that I bought at Academy a few days ago for $4, okay? They, they look almost the same, almost identical. They're both made by Rawlings. They both have the major league stamp on it. They both have the commissioner's name stamped on them. They're, they're very similar. If I was to put them behind my back and bring them out, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But if I was to offer to all of you, that each one of you, you could have either this one or this one, we would probably all take this one because of the value of it, because of the fact that it's an authentic ball that we know that it was used in the major leagues. And the funny thing about it is this one here is actually cleaner and nicer. It's never been used. I, I just bought it and I just been carrying it around uh, nice and clean and shiny. And I mean, you can't see it here. I've actually written on this one, but uh, it has grass stains on it and a couple scuff marks from, from being used. So it's actually got some wear to it. But that's irrelevant to us when we're looking at, when we're comparing these two, we would much rather have this one because of, the, because of where it comes from and because of whose it was. This was, this was purchased by Major League Baseball, one of the biggest companies in all the U.S. and one that, you know, was considered our national pastime. And what, what gives this ball value is not whether or not it's perfectly clean. It would actually probably have more value if it even had more scuffs on it because it would mean it, would mean it was used even a little more. This was just used for batting practice, so who knows? It may have never really gotten into an actual game. I don't know. But, but nevertheless, what gives this value is where it comes from and whose it is. And I, I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this, that, that what gives you and I value in this world is not necessarily that we have it all together or that we're nice and shiny and perfect and clean and, and have, have all our, our ducks in a row and everything's perfect about us. And even when the world sees us as Christians, it's not as important that they see that we have our act together and that we're perfect and we don't, we don't mess up and we don't make mistakes and we've got, a, we've got sin conquered and we just, you know, we just float through life. That's not what the world needs to see from us. What they need to see is authenticity. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And like I said, I'm not going to be able to talk long, but I really want to drive this point home that it's so important that we are authentic because what matters to the world and what should matter to us is whose we are. What matters to us is whose we are. It's... it's we're, we're valuable not because of anything except for the fact that we are his. We are children of the king. You are a child of the king. You're a child of God. You are blood-bought. Your life has been purchased. You're born again. If you're a Christian, you are born again. You are in the family of God. And that's what gives you value. Not being perfect and clean and shiny and bright. Amen? And our value comes from that. And we need to remember that to, to know that, you know, there's, there's such a need, there's such a desire for authenticity in the world today. And it, the, the world needs to see authenticity from us as believers, from us as the church. Uh, there was a poll that was done not too long ago. They polled over 1,000 non-Christians that do not attend church. That was the stipulation. You had, to, you had to claim that you weren't a Christian and that you don't go to church and you don't plan on going to church. And 72% of these people polled said the reason they don't go to church is because church is full of nothing but hypocrites. The church does not see, I mean, the, the world does not see us as the church as being authentic. They don't see us as being the example that Jesus wants us to be to the world. Now, some of, that, some of those people were probably jaded. They may have been in a church and, you know, somebody in the church hurt them or, or you know, one person can ruin it for the whole bunch. I, I'm not saying that the whole church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. 
But the fact of the matter is the world sees us as that. They perceive us as being hypocrites and not being genuine and not being authentic in our faith. And that's an issue for us because, you know, we're in tumultuous times, church. We're in some tumultuous, the news, I love watching the news and and, uh, Joy has always hated watching the news, especially the world news like Fox News, CNN, whatever. I can only usually watch it if she's not around because it just, it's always driven her nuts because she just sees all the, it just, it exempt, it uh, glorifies the bad things that are happening in the world. And it never really bothered me. I, I like to see it because I like to stay up to current events, but I'm even getting to the point where I don't like to watch it. It's like every day there's something else happens. Every, and, and it's just, you're, you're, there's so much turmoil in the world. There's so much stuff going on that this world needs an authentic church more than it's ever needed it. They need authentic, authenticity among us as Christians and, and that we are, we are coming to the world and we're saying, we're not better than you, but we have something to give you. We have the love of Jesus, the, the Jesus that changed my life, he can also change your life. And I'm not any better than you and I'm not judging you, but I, I have something that you want and I wanna give it to you. Uh, I wanna share a verse with you. It's in John 4, 23 and 24. This is Jesus when he was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. He said, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So there's three, there's three main relationships that, that you deal with in life that, that I feel like God needs us or, or calls us, asks us to be authentic. The first one is our relationship with God. The second one is our relationship with uh, with ourselves, and the third one is our relationship with others. So this verse here talks about our relationship with God, what he is looking for with us. Basically what this verse is saying is he, he's wanting people that are authentic, that will come to him and worship him with, with no front, no facade. We're just coming to him because of who he is. And, and what he's saying here is, he says, my worshipers need to come to me and worship me in spirit and in truth. Well, when he's talking about worship, he's not talking about the 30-minute the segment at the beginning of church. That's not what he's talking about. Praise and worship, corporate worship is a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I think we, I, I feel passionately about it that, that we should take advantage of that because it's a beautiful time where the atmosphere is set for us to really enter into worship. But what he's, that's not what he's talking about here. He's, he's talking about worshipers. He's saying people that follow me. He's saying Christians in, in, in essence. For Christians, this is how I want my people to worship me. This is how I want them to come to me. He's saying he wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And by spirit, he's saying that basically that he's a spirit and we are also a spirit. You, you know that from being here at New Hope. Pastor Bone talks about this quite frequently, that we are a spirit. We're a tripart being. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body, right? And so we are a spirit. God is a spirit. So that is how we connect to God is from our spirit to his spirit. That's how we, that's how we have a relationship with him is, through, is, is a spiritual relationship with God. I don't know anybody that, that hangs out with Jesus in a physical form during the week and, and goes and plays golf with him. Nobody's done that to my knowledge. If you have, please invite me next time. I'd love to go. But, uh, but we relate to him spiritually, okay? And he's saying, so you have to come to me in spirit, but then he also says you have to come to me in truth. And what he's saying there is that he requires for us to come to him just open and honest with who we are and who he is. He wants us to come. There's no sense in coming to God with this with this facade up saying, okay, God, I really, you know, this is who I am. I love you and I'm perfect and, and I'm just thankful for what you did for me. And, but uh, but coming, coming in this, this attitude of like not being completely transparent. And I know it almost sounds ridiculous to think that we would come to God hiding something because he knows everything anyway, right? 
But it's, it's still very easy for us to do that. I, I know I do it every once in a while. I'll catch myself sometimes, like, not wanting to talk to God about a certain uh, issue in my life because I just don't want to bring it up. It's kind of like, you know, in your marriage. If you don't talk about it, it must not be there, which is ridiculous. We all know that. But it's, it's the same idea as if, you know, if you have a, something wrong with your car, you just turn the radio up a little louder so you don't hear it. You know, we, we don't do that. But, but, but we've, we're all guilty of doing that in our relationship with God sometimes. And he's saying, if you're going to come to me, you got to come to me truthfully because that's the only way you're really going to see the chains broken off of your life. It's the only way you're really going to have that relationship with me that, that is going to benefit you and is going to benefit both of us. He wants us to be authentic, but it's not so that, so that we can just, uh, so that he can show us how horrible we are. He wants us to be authentic because when we come to him genuinely and, with, with, and, and real, then that's when he can really work in our lives and we really can experience that relationship with him. So he wants us to be authentic in our relationship with him. And then the second one is that we have to be authentic in our relationship with ourselves. I want to read to you a verse from 1 Timothy 1.15. This is Paul talking. He said, Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Now, this is, this is the Apostle Paul talking, okay? And he, th- this letter to Timothy, this was probably the last or one of the last letters he wrote before he was executed, okay? This was the end of his ministry. So, Paul had already done all these wonderful exploits that we read about in Acts and the letters that he wrote to the Corinthians, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all those letters he wrote. This was after all of that. And here's Paul close to his death, knowing he's probably about to get executed because he wrote this from prison. And he's saying, Jesus Christ came to save the lost of the sinners of who I am the worst. He didn't say I was the worst or I used to be the worst, but now I'm really awesome. He's saying I am the worst because this is the thing with Paul the closer we get to Jesus, the more intimate we get with Jesus, the more we see how great he is compared to us. Does that make sense? The closer we get to him, the more we see our own heart. And it's not a bad thing where we say, oh God, I don't want to get close to you because I'm going to see my heart and I'm going to feel even worse about myself. That's not what happens. What happens is we see our heart, but then we also see, then we're, the love that we have for him grows because we see how much he's actually done for us. I know for me, my love for God grows every time I realize how big of a jerk I am. You know, when I think I'm doing good and I'm, I'm like, I'm all that, I don't really need God all that much. The more I need, the more I see in my own heart, the more I see the, the depravity of my own life and, and, and who I would be without him, the more I'm drawn to him and the more I, the more I want to be with him and the more I would want to say, I'm the worst of all sinners because the more, the closer I get to him, the more I realize how much I need him. Uh, and you can contrast that with what uh, Jesus talks about. He tells a story in Luke 18 where he says, uh, verses 10 to 14, he says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What What a huge contrast between the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the fact that God looks at the tax collector and says, this is the guy that was justified before me. Because the tax collector saw his heart. He saw the depravity of man in himself and realized how much he needed God. And we can look at this verse and say, yeah, well, that's obvious. You know, the Pharisee was so pompous and arrogant. 
but it's because we know too much about the Pharisees. We know the story uh, and we know what they did to Jesus and how religious they were. But if you just read this and you didn't, you don't know all the context, you would look at this and say, sounds like the Pharisee was a pretty good guy. You know, he wasn't an adulterer. He wasn't a thief. He tithed on everything. He fasted twice a week. I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's, that's what I would say makes a good church person, right? But, but, but when you look at this, you realize, wow, God's saying, to him, saying that, that the Pharisee was the one that wasn't justified before him because it wasn't that the Pharisee was doing all those things. Those things he does are good. It's good to tithe. It's good to fast. It's good to you know, not be an adulterer or evildoer. But what, he, what, what we see through this is that he was using that to look down on other people. He was looking down at the tax collector saying, oh, I'm so thankful I'm not like him. And, you know, we would never do that verbally, outwardly, but I wonder how often we struggle with that in our own heart. I know this, the, ta- the Pharisee, that used to be me. I'm not even going to pull any punches. I was a Pharisee uh, up and down and all around. And it wasn't until the Lord really touched my heart and showed me how much I needed him that that was broken off of me. That's a religious spirit. It's what killed Jesus. And we have to be so careful that we don't allow that to become part of who we are. That religious spirit will just, all it does is it makes us want to feel like we're better than the other people. Like I'm better than you. And, that, and church, that is how the world sees us as the church. The, the world sees the church as a bunch of Pharisees. And I'm so, I'm so thankful for New Hope because this is, I said it in the early service, this is the best church I've ever been a part of. There's so many people in this church that genuinely love God. Everybody I know in this church that I have a relationship with, I would say, yes, absolutely. They love God. They're, they're faithful. They want to serve God. They give their heart from so. I think, I think New Hope kind of breaks the mold a little bit of the church in general. But unfortunately, because we're associated with the church, the, the people in Augusta, Grovetown, they still see us that way. Those the part of the world that doesn't know Jesus. They still see, oh, you're, you go to church, you must be a hypocrite and, and a Pharisee. Or, or they wouldn't say a Pharisee, but real legalistic and think you're better than me. And that's the, last, that's the message we don't need them to hear from us. They need to know how much God loves them. And it's important that with our relationship with ourself that we understand that it's so uh, important that we have the right perspective, that we're authentic in how we see ourselves and what God has actually done for us so that we will never look at someone else that doesn't know him and say, thank God I'm not like him. And let's not, let's not be guilty of doing that. Uh, the, next, the next relationship then was our relationship with others. And this is the missional part of authenticity. And you know, I wanna make a statement that, that I think is pertinent, that the longer that we are saved, if you've been saved a long time, and a lot of us in this church have, we've been saved for, for decades, some of us, the longer you've, you're, you've been saved, uh, the more prone you are to, to, to lose authenticity in your life and how you relate to people. Because the longer you're saved, especially if you're a leader in the church, you have influence, there's people that in the church that look up to you and you know that, and you have relationships, the, the, the more prone we are to think, well, I have to have it all together. Like if I'm gonna talk about uh, sin, it's gonna be stuff that I dealt with way in the past. You know, I don't want people to necessarily know, or I don't wanna be transparent with people about what I'm dealing with today because I don't want them to reject me or to think that I'm not as spiritual as, as they think I should be. And that's a, that's a danger for all of us if you've been saved a while. It's a danger, it's, it's, a, it's something for me that I even deal with, like how transparent should I be? You know, because we, we do, we fear that we're gonna be rejected by people or they're gonna think less of us and it's gonna hurt their relationship with the Lord. But what actually happens is the exact opposite. When people see transparency in their leaders, they see, oh, okay, so he loves Jesus. He's loved him for a long time and he still has issues that he's dealing with. That's good. That means there's hope for me. 
And see, what the enemy would want you to do is make you feel like you're the only one that deals with that. You know, I, I, was, I, I always say, I, I love watching National Geographic Channel. I love watching the animal shows when they show like lions in the wild and, and how they hunt. And I don't know why I love watching animals kill other animals, but I just do. Um, maybe it's because I don't actually hunt. I don't, I don't hunt, so maybe that's my way of, of filling that void that all men have, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'd have to research that and probably see a psychologist. But I do enjoy watching it, and I love the part where, where they, they always, it seems like they love to film lions in the wild, you know. And, and it's always the same. These lions, they, 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 what they do is they'll stalk, they'll stalk out a herd of impalas or gazelles or giraffes or whatever it is. And when they attack, they try to isolate one from the herd because they know if they can isolate that one, they got a much better chance of having a meal. Because I watched one the other day, they attacked a buffalo and they had this buffalo, but the buffalo herd came back and helped out the buffalo that they had and the lions had to scatter. Uh, but if they can isolate, they can get you. Well, the, you know, the Bible refers to Satan as, as like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. And that's exactly how he works. He tries to isolate you and make you feel like you're the only one dealing with that. Everyone else is doing great. Wait a minute, you're telling me you've been a Christian for 15 years and you still struggle with lust? What's the matter with you? No one else is dealing with that. Now, that's something that you deal with before you get saved or maybe the first six months after you get saved, but not after you've been saved for 20 years. My goodness, what's wrong with you? you know, or you still deal with greed? Or if you're a woman and you deal with insecurity and you've been saved for 10 years, oh, that, every, every other woman in the church is just doing fine. They just love how they look. They love how they feel. They're secure in everything. They wake up. They don't even put makeup on. They just come to church. You know, you're the only one that has to deal with like getting your hair done and makeup on and your nails. Everybody else is just doing great. That's what the enemy wants you to think. He wants you to think you're on your own and he wants to isolate you. But when we actually are transparent with each other and we're authentic with each other and we realize, oh, okay, so you struggle too. It does something. It breaks the power that the enemy has over you. When we, can, when we can share our, when we confess our sins to one another. James tells us to confess our sins one to another. Now, we don't want to take that to the extreme. You know, you don't need to come into church and say, hey, Jim, how you doing? Well, you know, I'm feeling pretty greedy this week, you know. We don't need to share all our dirty laundry with everybody. But that's, that's why it's so important, though, that we're connected, you know. That's why we have small groups, connect groups here at the church. It's so important to get connected with a group of people that you can feel like you can, you can air that dirty laundry with and they won't reject you. And we can actually disciple each other. We can grow in our relationship with the Lord. But if you're isolated and you don't get connected and you just, you just come into church on Sundays and kind of sit here and do your thing and then you leave and you go home and you don't really have any interaction with, with other Christians during the week that you feel can hold you accountable or that you can really share your heart with, then you're falling right into the enemy's trap because there's no opportunity for us to be authentic. There's no opportunity for us to really share our heart and to say, okay, I'm dealing with, I'm really dealing with fear and I'm, and I'm, I'm really sick and tired of it. And you, you step out and you share that with somebody and that person goes, oh, that's interesting, I am too. And let's pray together. We could talk about this. We could start sharing what we're fearful about. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, okay, so I'm not crazy at least. Now we, it doesn't mean we just talk about our fear and we just embrace it and, and stroke it and hug it. We deal with it, but it's just good to know that we're not alone, Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I think about our weekend encounters that we do. If you've been at New Hope for a while, you know we do these encounters. Uh, we do a men's and a woman's and youth. We do them a couple times a year. And uh, it's basically just a, a long, a short weekend, actually. We get together on Friday and Saturday, and 
we come together and we just, we have a lot of teaching. There's a lot of ministry time. And it's just a time for us to really bear our soul and really get close to God and really encounter him. And I see it all the time. Working encounters, guys will come in and, you know, the first day they're kind of pensive and a little hesitant to really share much. And then, you know, by the second day they start sharing where they're at and what they're dealing with. And, and by that last evening, it's like, man, they just can't wait to just dump everything on you because it's, they're just starting to feel free. Like, man, I'm actually getting to express and be authentic. I feel like I've been fake my whole life. It's so nice to be able to be real with you guys. And I, and I hear it from the women's encounter too. The women's encounters, they do it even more. Women start talking about the things they're dealing with that they just thought, man, I thought I was the only one that dealt with that. When really everybody is dealing with it in some way or another in a lot of respects. So we, 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 we have to be real in our relationship with others so that we can, so that we can see that power broken over, broken over us. So um, let me real quickly, if you guys will give me about, 10 more minutes, I'll be, I'll be wrapping up. I want to share with you real quickly just the, uh, what, I, what I see is the benefits of authenticity in our life, okay? And I have three of them that I'm going to share quickly. The first one is forgiveness of sins. First uh, John verses 1 and 9. I'm sorry, First John, John chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, what I love about this is, you know, John's talking about believers here. He's saying, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We need forgiveness of sins, not just on the day we get saved. Amen? The day you get saved, everything you've ever done is forgiven. God wipes it clean. It's, you're washed white as snow. It's a beautiful thing. But unless you're Jesus himself, after you get saved, you're actually going to still sin some in your life. No one has conquered sin completely and totally. As you grow, you know, God breaks some of those sins off you. He'll break some off you immediately. But unfortunately, when a sin's broken off, it seems like there's 10 more that are ready to take its place and, and give you a hard time in your life. We constantly need forgiveness of sins. And we can't get forgiveness of sins if we're not authentic with God. We can't do it. We can't come to God and act like we have it all together. That's the time, church, that we need to come to him and say, anytime the Holy Spirit convicts you of a sin, anytime he convicts you, it is to bring you to that place of asking him for forgiveness so that he can forgive it and get rid of it. Amen. God, there, you'll never sin too many times to where he'll stop forgiving you. He didn't say, nope, you've used up your quota. Sorry, it's all over. He will always forgive. John, for chapter, verse nine there says that he is faithful and just to forgive us. I love that he, that he made sure he put just in there because we always think of forgiveness as an act of God's mercy, and it is. But it's also an act of his justice because of what the cross did for us. It, he's, not, he's not sacrificing justice. He's not saying, okay, I'll make an exception for you. I'll go ahead and forgive you. It's a just thing for him to forgive us because of what Jesus did for us. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that makes me pretty excited to know that no matter what I do or how many times I do it, I can know that he's going to forgive me because he's not just turning a blind eye to it, but he's doing it based on what Jesus did for me. And that's pretty exciting for us. So we need to be real with God so that he can forgive us and break the chains off of our life to set us free. Um, Matthew Henry, you guys, a lot of you might have read his commentary. He's, he's got commentaries on the Bible that are really popular. He, he had a quote that I just thought was beautiful. He says, in regards to forgiveness of sins, he said, the Christian life is, is, a, is a life of continued repentance, humiliation for and mortification of sin, of continual faith in, thankfulness for, and love to the Redeemer, and hopeful, joyful expectation of a day of glorious redemption in which the believers shall be fully and finally acquitted and sin abolished forever. That's a beautiful phrase 
A beautiful sentence he says there that, that basically the battle against sin will never end until we see Jesus face to face. And we need to be real about that and know that when we do mess up, it doesn't give us a license to sin, but when we do mess up to come to God and say, God, please forgive me for this, I'm sorry. And we can know that every time we're forgiven. Hallelujah, what a beautiful thing. The next thing, the next benefit of authenticity is that it glorifies God. It glorifies God in our lives. I read part of this uh, passage already, but I'm gonna read a little more of it in 1 Timothy. Watch Paul's authenticity in this, in this, uh, this uh, passage, chapter, verse 13 to 17. It says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But, for, but it is that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of an example, I'm sorry, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. When we are real in our relationship and we're authentic in our relationships with ourselves and others and God, it glorifies God in our life. Paul's saying here that he was the worst of sinners. He was real with the fact of who he was and who he is, but he knows that because of what, who he was and what God did in his life, that it was gonna draw people unto him. And he was good, he was excited about that. So it will actually glorify God in our lives when we're authentic because it opens the door for God to be able to work through us and in us to reach the lost. I love what, you know, if you've read the, the passage in Isaiah 6 where, uh, the, where Isaiah is commissioned, he says he saw, the, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, the train of his robe filled the temple. And when he saw God in all of his glory, he says, woe is me because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and I have seen the Lord Almighty. So as soon as he saw the Lord, he realized how big a trouble he was in because he realized who he was when he, in the sight of the Lord. But then it says an angel took a, took a coal from the fire and came down and touched, his, touched him and, and cleansed him. So when, when Isaiah realized who he was, he said, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. It, but then God came and touched his lips. It glorified God for him to be transparent and authentic in who he was so God could work in his life. And it was a beautiful thing. And see, many times Christians fall because we don't feel like we're able to sin greatly. We feel like we're above it. And we have to be real with ourselves and know that we're, all, we're only a few bad decisions away from getting into a really bad situation all the time. You know, I say that all the time, even with, with extramarital affairs. You know, nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, yeah, today I think I'm going to uh, cheat on my wife. Nobody does that. It's a, it's a string of bad decisions. But it's, it's usually people that aren't being real with themselves. They think they're above it. They're like, no, nah, that'll never happen to me. And, and they kind of shield themselves from even making sure they're proactive and intentional about making good decisions so they don't get in that situation. So it, it, it's important that we are real so that we make sure we don't get into situations like that. And then lastly, and I know I'm going fast and I apologize, but I really wanted to get this stuff in. The, the last benefit that I wanted to share with you about uh, authenticity is reaching the lost. Reaching the lost. Church, if you don't think the world is watching us, you, you, have, you have deceived yourself. The people in your life that aren't saved, whether it's coworkers, family, friends, whoever it is, they are watching you to see if you are authentic in your faith. They are absolutely watching you. And it's so 
important for us that we are authentic in who we are and who God is in us because what, what that does is it, it draws people to Jesus. I don't know if you remember when, how you got saved or when you got saved, but what really drew me to God when I finally got to where I was like, okay, I'm tired of being this, this fake Christian. I want to be real. What drew me to that was, was a, the pastor of my church when I was growing up. He, when I got to know him, he spent time with me, and I saw that this guy really loved God, and he was really authentic. And I said, okay, whatever he's got, I don't have, and I want that. And it drew me to Jesus because of his authenticity. And that's something that, that God will use in our life to draw people to him if we are authentic in our faith. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I close. I'm going to ask Steve and the band to come on up. I just wanted to, to mention to you in the, the, uh, in the, in the area of reaching the lost with, with our authenticity. You know, this is a, this is a wonderful church, and we, we do, we reach, to, we reach out to the lost. You know, we have a whole ministry here at the bridge that's, the whole design is to reach lost people, the homeless people down under the bridge, uh, downtown. It's a beautiful thing. We have sent out missionaries, Ben, Michael. We're sending out Cody today. A lot of great things going on where we, where we as a church reach the lost, but we have to be careful as individuals that we don't hide behind that. And, and by, by hide behind that, I mean like, let that be the depth of your heart for the lost or your, the evangelism or the, the, the reaching out to the lost that you do in your own life. I know I have even been guilty of that where I've, I've just, I've kind of, I'm kind of proud of the fact that we as a church, we do reach out to the lost. We planted 2,000 churches and it's a wonderful thing. But in your own individual life, how, how much do you have a broken heart for the lost people that you know in your life? And how often do you pray, ask God to break your heart for the lost in your life? It's so easy for us to just to get to where we don't, we don't concern ourselves with it because we get too consumed with our own things in our own life. And I want to challenge you today in that. The whole reason we're doing this uh, reality check, excuse me. <coughs> the whole reason we're doing this is so that we can get, so we can check ourselves and get focused. <clears throat> on what God would want us to focus on. And I just think that, I, I know that God's heart for the lost is so great. It's what moves him more than anything else is, is, is the lost and wanting to reach the lost. And so I want to encourage you guys in that today and I want to just tell you a quick story. My, uh, I have an aunt up in Ohio that for years, I, I'm thinking at least 30 years, she was actually a live-in maid uh, caretaker at, at, at a, a couple's house up there they were a very wealthy couple, had a huge home. She started working for them when she was in her teens, I think. And she just stayed there for 30 years, I think, uh, living with them, just cooking, cleaning, taking care of whatever needs they had. And as they got older, you know, she had to do more things for them. This couple wasn't saved. And my aunt is. My aunt is a born-again, spirit-filled, God-loving woman that is the epitome of an authentic Christian that has a real faith in God. And she would, you know, she would share her faith with them sometimes, but it was never really received very well, so she was never pushy. <coughs> but she allowed her lifestyle to, to be an example to them and constantly praying for them that they would receive Jesus. Well, the, the husband passed away at one point without ever receiving the Lord, uh, but, but she was with the, the wife, continued to live with her in her latter years, and, and the, she was, the wife was in her 80s. And uh, one day she came to my aunt and she said, I just feel like the end is getting near for me. 
I don't have any reason to think that. I just feel like I'm, I'm definitely getting close to the end of my life. And I want to know God. And if there's anybody in this world that I know knows God, it's you. And if anybody can teach me or show me how to give my life to God, I know it's you. And so my aunt was able to lead this woman to the Lord that day. And it was genuine. The woman, in fact, she started crying. She just really gave her heart to God that day. And about a week and a half later, she passed away. Suddenly, out of nowhere. And it was such a beautiful thing. And, and my aunt talks about it sometimes. And, and Well, my, my aunt can't talk about it without sobbing because she just sees how God's heart for her was, was my, for my, my, the, God's heart for my aunt to reach her was burning in her for decades. And it wasn't until literally the 12th hour that, that this woman's heart was softened to where my, my aunt could speak into her life. And it was just because, it wasn't because she could preach. It wasn't because she, she did anything other than just live the life that this woman thought a Christian would live about being faithful and, and praying. She would see her praying all the time, reading her Bible and just loving her, just sharing the love of Jesus with her and just loving her the way Jesus loved my aunt. And, uh, and it led this woman to the Lord and it was a beautiful thing. And, and, and I, I just, for us, I want us to have that heart for the lost in our lives. God has put lost people in your life. They are there, it's strategic so that you can be the example of Jesus to each and every one of them. And ask God to help you to know how you can reach them but I can tell you for sure that being authentic and being real and being transparent will not push them away. It will draw them closer because they, the world wants to know that you don't have to be perfect to be able to have a relationship with God. Amen. So I'm going to, I want to pray. Um, I, I'm just going to pray for all of us today because I believe this resonates with all of us that we all, there's a desire to be authentic in our life. And it's something that we all have to make sure we refocus every once in a while, make sure that that, uh, that we have the right perspective that God wants us to have. So um, we're going to pray, and then we're done. Uh, you know, Steve, they're going to play another song. You're, you're, you're free to go after this, but if you want to stay and worship with us a little bit, you can too. So if you would, please bow, bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that you, you not only made a way for us to, to come into your presence and to know you, but you did it for that very reason. You came, died a sinless, or lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death on a cross so that we could know you and know your power, know your forgiveness. And we thank you for that today. Above all else, God, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy in our lives. And God, I pray for each and every person in this room this morning. I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would help us to live a life of authenticity with ourselves, with others, and with you. Help us to be real, Lord. Lord, we don't want to be fake. We don't want to put up facades. We don't want to be disingenuous. But God, we know the flesh gets in the way sometimes and causes us to act in ways that we, we wouldn't necessarily do. But God, I pray that you'd help us to focus today that we would realign our hearts if we need to on being real and being what you've called us to be. And Lord, as, as the Apostle Paul said, he said, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I do, I don't want to do. God, I know we all feel that way at times, but we, we are so thankful that when we admit and we confess to you our weaknesses, Lord, we can know that you, you not only forgive those weaknesses, but you help empower us to conquer them as well. So God, I pray you would do that in our lives today. Lord, would you seal the work that you're doing in our hearts today? God, would you expose the lies of the enemy over us that would want to isolate us and, and convince us that we're the only one that deals with anything and that everybody else has it all together. God, let that lie be exposed in our hearts today.
Help us to walk in your truth. Hallelujah. We praise your name today, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Pray that you'd be blessed and glorified in our lives as we go out, Lord. Help us, give us strategies to reach the lost people in our lives. Give us strategies to show them the love of Christ in a powerful way for each and every one of us, Lord. We look forward to hearing testimonies of of lost people getting saved. In Jesus' name, we pray for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I just want to mention one more thing. If you are in this house today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would ask you to not leave here today without giving your heart to him. He's the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. And anyone here that knows Jesus would would agree to that and, and testify to that for you. So if you don't know him, please don't leave today without making him Lord of your life. And just God bless you guys. Have a great day. Have a great week. Enjoy your holiday weekend coming up. I pray that everybody's safe and have a healthy weekend in Jesus' name.